Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. We're returning to our series, Eden to Eden, God's Relentless Pursuit of Us. On today's program, part five of our series, we're looking at how God used the sacrificial system to pursue a relationship with us despite our sin and our shame. Steve, every episode we've done on Eden to Eden has presented one major issue in God's relentless pursuit to bring us back to the garden. And that issue is the broken relationship, that that chasm that exists between us and God that prevents us from having an unhindered relationship with our Creator. Today, we talk about God's remedy to fix this issue of sin once and for all through the sacrifice of His one and only Son, Jesus the Messiah. And then we'll be looking at the growth of the church in Iran despite the persecution of the Iranian regime. And then apples of gold. For the past few weeks, we've been going through a series we've been calling Eden to Eden, God's Relentless Pursuit of Us. And this whole series has been designed to show that God has been in the business of pursuing his creation. That's us. He's been pursuing us back to the Garden of Eden, a place where the creator and the created can enjoy each other's presence without anything standing in the way. No sin, no shame, no guilt, nothing. Just as it was intended to be in the beginning between Adam, Eve, and God. And over the past few weeks, we've studied the purpose of the Garden of Eden. We've gone back to Genesis chapter 2. We've seen how God pursued Adam and Eve despite their sin. We've looked into the character of God to see how God's character, his nature, drives him to pursue us back to the garden. We've looked at God's pursuit of us through his presence he's made known on earth, throughout, uh, through the tabernacle and the temple, and even in his son, Jesus the Messiah. And in our last segment we've aired before the Christmas season, we saw how God pursues us through his promises, especially the one promise he made to Abraham back in the beginning of Genesis. God was pursuing you. He was pursuing me all along when he made this promise to Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people. And, and God would use this covenant to begin the process of pursuing us back to Eden. But here's the issue. It's an issue we deal with every time we talk about God's relentless pursuit of us. And it's the issue of the broken relationship that exists between us and God. And it's this broken relationship that creates a deep chasm that divides us from God. In the Old Testament, God created a way for his presence to reside with Israel, for that he could physically be present with his people. He, he created the tabernacle and the temple. But even then, there were limitations. God was still holy and man was still sinful. The, the relationship that existed between God and man in the tabernacle and the temple, it, it was complex. The one way to make it possible for God to remain with Israel and, and for Israel to remain in the presence of God was for God to make a provision, to provide a way. And that way was through a sacrificial system, a system that would substitute one life for another. 
Now think about this. God's holiness cleanses sin by consuming it. If Israel remained in a state of sin, eventually God's holiness would consume it. But in God's desire, his relentless pursuit of us and his desire he, to, to pursue us, he made it possible for sinners to have a substitute. So instead of sinners being consumed by God's holiness, an animal substitute would stand in their place. One of the most significant verses in the book of Leviticus, which talks a lot about the sacrificial system, it talks a lot about how offerings were designed and, and, and how an Israelite should worship God. Uh, and, and in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it talks about the, the power of the, of the blood. And it says this, for the life of every living thing is in the blood. So I myself, this is God talking, I myself have assigned it to you on the altar to make atonement for your lives. For the blood makes atonement by means of the life. The blood of any living creature is its life. And God provided a way for the life of one creature to stand in the place of another. This sacrificial system essentially made it possible for Israel to have a relationship with God despite that huge chasm, that broken relationship that divided them. The sacrificial system temporarily cleansed the tabernacle. It temporarily cleansed the temple from impurities and the pollution of sin. It temporarily covered the sins of the people of Israel individually and nationally. The sacrificial system was also a way for the Israelites to engage with God through fellowship offerings and peace offerings. The the worshiper would offer a sacrifice that would be a meal for the priest. It would be a meal for the worshiper, and they would eat together in a way that would give thanks to God. It's just a beautiful picture of the, the fellowship relationship that existed between the worshiper, the priest, and God as they would go to the tabernacle and temple together. God wanted a relationship. He pursued his people in any way possible to make it possible through a sacrifice. And the point is this. God in his desire to be with Israel provided a way to engage with them. The Old Testament sacrificial system provided a very structured and limited way for a holy God to interact with a sinful people. So instead of a sinful people being consumed by God's holiness, God provided a way for a substitute to take the place of the worshiper. The sacrifice made possible a way for sinful people to have a relationship with a holy God. But again, I have to, I have to remind you, it was limited in the Old Testament. Israelites were never fully cleansed of their sin, and God's holiness was never wavering. God's relentless pursuit of us is seen in how he provided a way for his people to interact with him. That's amazing to me. It, it's really a sign of God's grace in the Old Testament that despite our sin, despite our shame, despite our guilt, despite everything that's in us, God would still find a way to pierce through time, space, and even sin to be with his people. 
to correct the issue of sin. And if God is pursuing us back to Eden so that we can enjoy being in the presence of our creator without anything between us, then the issue of sin must be dealt with once and for all. And in our last episode of this series, we mentioned that the promise God made to Abraham was a promise that God would use Abraham and his descendants to bless all the families of the world. And and this promise was not insulary. It wasn't only for the future of the Israelites, but that through Abraham, the entire world would come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there is one descendant in particular who would forever change the dynamic of how sinful men related with a holy God. And that descendant is Jesus the Messiah. Jesus was the sinless, blameless, spotless Lamb of God. If there was any man that could stand in the presence of God and not be consumed by God's holiness, it was Jesus. Why? Because he was righteous in the eyes of God. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 10, verse 30, said, The Father and I are one. So from the very beginning of Jesus's human life in Bethlehem, his destiny was set. The shepherd's fields where Jesus was born uh, were full of sheep that were destined for temple sacrifice. Jesus knew his mission on earth was to remain obedient to the Father's will, which was to become a sacrifice that would forever satisfy God's holy demands. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Because Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. That's Jesus, the just, sacrificing himself, suffering for the unjust. That's me. To bring you to God by being put to death in the flesh, but by being made alive in the spirit. Peter is quoting, think about this, he's quoting right from Isaiah 53, the passage of the suffering servant of God who would lay down his blameless, innocent life as a sacrifice for the guilty and sinful. And did you hear what Peter said? Jesus' once for all sacrifice for sins was done to bring you to God. Folks, believing in Jesus is more than just having your sins forgiven. That's the beginning. Having your sins forgiven is what enables you to go before God without being consumed by his holiness, just as it was in the Old Testament as well. After Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, the veil in the temple, the veil that was designed to keep people out, the veil that had the, the, uh, the, the cherubim embedded on, on it, the, the picture of Adam and Eve being kept out of the Garden of Eden. Keep out. You're not allowed in the Holy of Holies. It's where God's holy presence dwells. That veil tore the moment Jesus gave up his spirit and said, it is finished. Listen, my friends, all of humanity throughout time will stand before God in the flesh to be judged. The question is this, what's your standing with God? Faith alone in Christ and his finished work on the cross changes the way God sees you.
If you've placed your faith in Christ, God does not see your sin, but instead he sees the righteousness of Christ that clothes you. And if that's not God's relentless pursuit of you and me, then I don't know what is. I'll close with this from Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Paul says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than because we have now been declared righteous by his blood. Remember Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And we have righteousness because of what? The blood of Christ. We will be saved through him. Here it is from God's wrath, his holiness. Instead of being consumed by God's wrath, through Christ's sacrifice, you and I are welcomed into his presence. The Friends of Israel's very first executive director, Dr. Victor Buxbazen, was not only a tremendous leader, he was a renowned author. That's why we're resurrecting his book, They Called Her Miriam, The Virgin of Nazareth. Dr. Buxbazen strips away the stereotypes, legends, myths, dogma, and misplaced piety that comes with the name Mary and restores to readers her Hebrew name, Miriam, connecting us to the real historical scriptural image of the mother of our Savior. I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org, or you can call our listener line, 888-343-6940, to order your copy of They Called Her Miriam, the Virgin of Nazareth. Again, that's 888-343-6940, or foiradio.org. In light of the protests happening in Iran as Iranian men and women stand up against the dictatorial Islamic regime who have oppressed them for decades, I want to highlight a headline I've seen pop up from a few different sources over the past few years. It's an encouraging headline that highlights the rapid growth of Christianity in Iran. The first time I heard this, I had to double check these sources because it's something that's never talked about and it's almost too hard to believe given that Iran's public persona is that of disgust and hate toward anything that's connected to Western values, which is extremely Judeo-Christian. Iran publicly states their hatred toward America and Israel, which are two democratic countries whose foundations are rooted in the scriptures. So I, I had to know how in the world is the church growing in Iran. Well, after the Islamic Revolution in 1979, Iran transitioned away from a secular government to an Islamic theocracy. And with this transition came opposition to any religion other than a Shia form of Islam. And Christianity was definitely high on that list. In fact, any Muslim who converts to Christianity in Iran could face fines, lashings, prison time, and even potentially the death penalty. And on top of that, the Bible is banned from Iran, churches are forcibly closed, Christian websites and television shows are censored, and Christian leaders are imprisoned and killed by the regime. 
And despite Iran's desire to really blot out the gospel from their country, more and more Iranians have become Christians in the last 20 years than in the previous 13 centuries put together since Islam came to Iran. Mark Howard, who works with Elam Ministries, an organization that was founded in 1990 by uh, Iranian church leaders, they have the mission to strengthen and expand the church in Iran. Uh, th- they say church growth in Iran can be summed up in two sentences. First, violence in the name of Islam has caused widespread disillusionment with the regime and led many Iranians to question their beliefs. And so what Mark is actually saying is that Iran's ambitious desire to expand in the Middle East, reaching out into countries like Syria, Lebanon, Gaza, and beyond, has made them the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And the Iranian regime spends billions of dollars on terrorism and expansion, but all the while they ignore the basic rights, the well-being of the average Iranian. And it's actually this that's the major reason for the recent protests happening throughout Iran right now. But what Mark is saying is that many Iranians are looking deep into themselves. They're they're looking introspectively and they're asking themselves a question. Is this who I am? Does, Does the Iranian government reflect who I am? Do I want to be associated with a fascist death cult uh, who preaches hate? Is this who I am as, as an Iranian person? So their introspection leads them to look outside the walls of Islam. And I'm sure when they hear the gospel, um, which is a message of hope and life and peace through Jesus Christ, they are more apt to follow Jesus than the Ayatollahs. Mark continues. He says, many Iranian Christians have continued to boldly and faithfully tell others about Christ in the face of persecution. Persecution, it really is the fertile soil of the Iranian Christian community. And and when the seed of the gospel is planted in the soil of persecution, it's going to produce amazing fruit. You know, when Iran banned Bibles, it made them more valuable among the Iranians. They, they wanted to know what was in the Bible that would cause their government to ban and burn them. When Iranians closed churches, it forced the Christian community underground into house churches. And when Iranians censored Christian websites and television shows, it only made the Iranian people more curious to know what they were missing. And when Iranian leaders imprisoned and killed Christian leaders in the church, The Iranian people started to ask, who is this Jesus that the people are so willing to suffer for? Friends, Iran has a rich Christian heritage that dates back to Acts chapter 2, when several Jewish people from the area of Persia, which is Iran today, came to Jerusalem for Pentecost and heard the gospel and were saved. The Apostle Matthew and Simon the Zealot were believed to have ministered the gospel in Persia. And my friends, this is so important. We've got to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling against, look, not only the the Islamic leadership of Iran, but really more importantly, we need to be praying against their struggle against the spiritual forces working to prevent the hope of Christ from shining a light 
in Iran. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Recently, I suffered a serious heart attack while walking in Jerusalem. The doctors told my family I was clinically dead and there was no hope for my recovery. They said that even if I did survive, I would be helpless and my memory would be gone. My family and believers around the world began to pray. After three days, I improved, and all life support equipment was disconnected. In another week, I was discharged from the hospital. I had faced death many times before during the Holocaust in Europe and the wars here in Israel. I am happy to say, along with our Lord Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I am always ready to meet my God. While I was in the hospital, I shared a room with an elderly man. One day, one of his visitors asked me in Hebrew, What is your position? I replied, When we get to our eternal home, no one will ask what position we held on earth. He then asked, What type of work do you do? I am a carpenter, I replied. He made a sour face and asked the others in German, would it be possible to change rooms? I responded in German, you are free to do whatever you like, but God does not care if you are rich or poor. Everyone will have to stand alone before him in judgment. My roommate was listening happily, but his family was unhappy. One asked if I had graduated from a university. I told him, Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But this wisdom is far from you. They did not know how to respond since they were all university graduates and I was a mere carpenter. One asked, Do you read books such as Shakespeare? I replied, The answers to the questions of life and death are found only in one book. This book says, When one dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Psalm 49, 17. They had become very interested in what I was saying and asked to see the book to which I had been referring. The hospital was a very religious, orthodox institution, and I knew it would upset them to see the New Testament. I silently prayed and then showed it to them. They all said, You are a Christian? I am a better Jew than any of you, I replied. But you have brought a Christian book into this place, they protested. When the rabbi comes tomorrow, we will tell him that you want to make us Christians. I responded, You can tell the rabbi whatever you like, but remind him he spends a lot of time reading the Bible, and the New Testament is an important part of the Bible. The Old and New Testaments are closely related. Your rabbi teaches you stories written by other rabbis, but now you must choose between the truth of God and the traditions. I believe strongly in Paul's words to the Roman believers. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Because of my heart attack, I had the opportunity to witness to doctors and nurses and patients 
and even the rabbi at the Orthodox Jewish Hospital. A quick reminder, you can purchase your copy of Miriam, the Virgin of Nazareth at our website, foiradio.org, foiradio.org. You can contact us on our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katulka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.